we're running a little bit late because of I had to wait for the water to get down before I could get out from the house. You may want to open to hymn 461. It's a wonderful thing to have the ground just saturated at early summer. The Lord blesses us in all ways. At the bottom of the page on, or of song 461, where it says Christian two times, could we use the word saintly instead of Christian? I would read from Matthew. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I am he of whom it is written by the prophets, follow me. And they, believing on his words, straightway followed him. And going on from thence, he saw James and John. He called them, and they immediately followed him. Hymn 461. We will stand, please.
we hear all the time about the division in politics, society. Satan preaches division so effectively. In fact, he preaches it so well that sometimes we hate not only the sinner, but we begin to hate, not only hate the sin, but we begin to also hate the sinner. Satan preaches very effectively. From the Doctrine and Covenants, section 17, the gospel of Jesus Christ is confirmed by the ministering of angels declared unto the world that the holy scriptures are true and that God does inspire men and call them to his holy work in this age and generation as well as in the generations of old, thereby showing that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. With the death of Prophet Larson and the division that followed, and then you add in this last year and a half of COVID, there were some people that became lost. And some grew frustrated and quit when they were needed the very most. But there are others that rose up and answered that call and need. And now the presiding patriarch, Dennis Evans, is one of those that rose up and answered that call. From the 16th chapter of Alma, I will be reading verses 219 through 222. Yea, humble yourselves, and continue in prayer unto him. Yea, unto him when ye cry unto him when ye are in your fields. Yea, over all your flocks, cry unto him in your houses. Yea, over all your household, both morning and midday and evening. Yea, cry unto him against the power of your enemies. Yea, cry unto him against the devil, who is an enemy to all righteousness. Cry unto him over the crops of your fields, that, that ye may prosper in them. Cry over the flocks of your fields, that they may increase. But this is not all. Ye must pour out your souls in your closets, in your secret places, and in your wilderness. Yea, when ye do not cry unto the Lord, let your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer unto him continually for your welfare and also for the welfare of those who are around you. And then from Latter-day Scripture, from our, the Doctrine and Covenants, Section R-164 in paragraph 3. The world around you is ever-growing in chaos. Civil disobedience is growing. Economic uncertainty is a reality, and moral decline is on the rise. It is imperative that you be prepared for that which lies ahead. Hold fast to the rod of iron, 
the word of God, take comfort in the arms of the Lord Jesus, draw very close to him, for there you will find peace and understanding for that which will unfold. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Hymn 281, and before I forget, the monthly schedules are in the foyer. Hymn 281, please.
Thank you, Pat. It's good to be with you this morning. It's good to um, share in the, this morning's worship with you. We had a, a pleasant drive down from Independence yesterday and uh, uh, we had a nice quiet evening last night and and in the the motel that we we stayed in it was pretty well soundproofed and so we didn't get to hear much of the probably noise that you heard from from the thunderous rain that came down uh, I woke up this morning and I saw that that uh, there were what three three or four inches that fell just overnight and so it was just amazing that that much rain fell but um but we all made it this morning. Even Roger made it this morning, and so we we're so pleased to uh, to be here with you. A couple things I wanted before I get got started. A couple things I wanted to uh, just share. Um, um, one was the the scriptures that I chose, and um, I, I I didn't. You know we we hear so much about the day we live in. I mean, you just turn the news on, the TV, or open up your phone and read it, uh, and there is just so much mention uh, of, of the news, and, and a lot of it is unsettling uh, to us, um, uh, and, and I didn't want to bring that message to you this morning, um, and, and yet the Lord has placed upon my heart words to bring for you for consideration, and, um, and it has to do with being concerned about the day we live in. And, and yet the hope and the good news of the gospel is that which, in, in the love of God, is that which takes precedent over, over the, uh, the uh, unsettling news that's, that we listen to each day. And, and that's what I wanted to make sure that we, we understood um, for us as we move forward. The, um, the scriptures that I, I brought for a um, call to worship or for a scripture reading, um, Alma talked about um, crying um, unto God in, in various ways, crying for the benefit of your flocks, of your crops, of your homes. Um, and um, and as I, as I really, to myself, as I looked at that word crying, because later on he talks about, um, about pouring your hearts out in prayer, as if there is something a little different between crying unto the Lord and going to your closets in, in, in prayer. Um, and to me, that crying is that acknowledgement to God that, um, that he is in control. That, that he has the strength that we need to live each day, that our, that our substance in life comes from God, that there's nothing that we do of our own that um, can benefit us, but it's, it's God that, that looks over us, he protects us, he gives us the clear direction in life. He gives unto us purpose, 
And uh, it is his righteousness that we seek, not that righteousness of our own. And so to me, that's what that crying means, is that to understand that it's God that has control over all that we have around us, and we look to him for guidance and direction. I don't know how many of you were able to, um, to go to conference uh, last week. I was um, uh, really encouraged by our, our week, our, our, week our, our days that we spent there at conference in very various ways. Um, and one of those ways was the document that uh, was presented, which was voted upon, which has become R-169. And so uh, I think that's what partly what the Lord wanted me to share today was uh, some viewpoints of that document. And so I hope that you have uh, been able to study, to spend some time and to study uh, uh, what the Lord brought to the church through his prophet, um, uh, President Patience. I think it is very appropriate for um, for the day that we live in, and it gives us encouragement uh, in, in our individual lives, both both individually, but also as we uh, gather together, as we assemble together, with that purpose that we know that we uh, that calling that we've been given to uh, um, to to work to bring about the kingdom of God. These definitely are crazy days. I call them crazy days that we live in. Um, um, I, um, I, I look at what's taking place in our country, in our nation, and, uh, and I think, oh, oh my. Uh, you know, I've, I just turned 70 this year, and so I have been around a little while, uh, and... Uh, uh, it just seems like I, I think back. How, how could how could things happen? How could things change uh, as they are changing? And I think, well, maybe it's just that um, that those those voices you hear uh, that make you question where are we headed as a as a as a nation? Um, uh, maybe they're just the minority. And and yet, the more I think about it, and the more I uh, hear. And, and, and see, I, I find out that maybe me and my belief, you and your beliefs, that we're becoming the minority. Um, and, um, and so I was pleased that the Lord gave us some direction that to me was built upon direction that he's given previous to the remnant church and, um, and continues to uh, address the day we live in and, and what he desires of us um, for our well-being. It certainly is a, um, it's a warning voice, um, but, um, but it's, it's also a concerned voice. He's certainly con- concerned for our well-being. He wants us to be, he is concerned and he wants us to be concerned for our eternal well-being, not just the day we live in and next week, uh, but he wants us to be concerned for 
our eternal salvation. Um, and, and what I find also interesting is that he's plain in that um, he doesn't want us to be focused on ourselves, but that we have a mission that he wants us to be aware of, a calling that involves all of mankind. It's not just ourselves. It's not just those that walk in through these doors, um, but it is all who will listen. I don't know how much you all hear about Bountiful, um, but um, my wife, Linda, and I, we live in Bountiful, and I thought I would just bring just a few words about that uh, because it is a uh, community that the Lord has, has uh, uh, divinely set in, in order. And, um, and so as an update to that, we have, I wrote down some statistics, we have 12 total families in our community now, and we have two families that have, are going through the process, two additional families that are going through the process of, of getting with an architect and building homes on, on their lots. So we look forward to that in the coming year, as long as housing prices don't jump too high. If, hopefully they'll come down a little bit to make it a little more affordable for them. We have 43 total members. We have 13 children within our, in our community. And, uh, and I'd say just within the last, I haven't counted them, but just within the last uh, uh, year or so, we've had four or five of those 13 children that have been baptized and have become members of the church. And so we're so encouraged by that. Uh, and, uh, and especially when we meet together on Wednesday nights and we have our, our children there with us, they are just so quick to come. It doesn't matter what age group. Uh, if, if they can talk into a microphone, they come up and they say their prayer. And it's so sweet to, um, to listen to that. And, and not just sweet, but it is um, so heartwarming that God, uh, he listens to their prayers and he hears them. And it's almost as if they know, it's, they just, they're not doing it just because one of their friends is, is up there, but they know that God is listening to them. And so they pray, and they pray for their, their families. They pray for their mom and dad. They pray for their brothers and sisters. They pray for their friends at school. And it is um, it's so uh, uh, uplifting and heartening. Uh, uplifting to, um, to, to hear them for that. So, as I, as I mentioned, um, back in, in 2005, um, there was work, started work because of R150, and, and I'll read that real quickly. Um, uh, as an ensign to the world, as a demonstration that man can live together in peace and harmony with his neighbor, exercising stewardships, utilizing inheritances, and not being unduly influenced by Babylon. Um, that, that was the purpose of the community, was to be that ensign to the world and, and a demonstration. And so back in 2005, like I said, that happened uh, 
um, work was started to develop uh, that community. And, um, and I think we, Linda and I, we were able to move in two years ago. We uh, purchased the home that Jerry and Barb Shear had built in 2012. And um, so we were able to move into their home. Uh, they, um, because of health reasons, they, they moved back to their family uh, up in Iowa. And so we were happy to, uh, to do that. Um, but um, but that, that community has been set up as a Sermon of the Mount community. And we each have, each of the families have placards that, that remind us, it's kind of like some bylaws that you would have for your, uh, your development, your community. Um, but there, it's set up to be a Sermon of the Mount community. And so basically where Jesus is the center and the purpose of all that is done in community, um, that each of us will strive to walk in the ways and in the, in the attitude of Christ, that we strive to keep all of God's commandments and that we walk in that spirit of grace towards all men. And then also that we, as Christ is our advocate, we strive to be advocates for others and walk in that pure love of Christ and that we also resist the spirit of Satan who is the accuser of our brethren. And so certainly we are to be that ensign and we are to, to, to demonstrate to those around us of what can be the attitude of those that walk in the spirit of Christ. And we have, we have various ways to do that because each of the homeowners, we, we either farm or we raise livestock, raise and sell eggs, chickens. So, so we're dabbling in all of that. I'm not a farmer, and so that, that's all kind of a little foreign to me. Um, but our property is farmed by uh, one of the farm farmers that that is in the community, outside the community. Um, he, uh, we, we kind of give him the land, and he farms it for us. Um, and I think there is somewhere around 40 acres that that particular farmer has in Bountiful, and he um, he farms. Uh, one year it's corn. This year it's beans. And so we, if you look out. In our backyard, we have bean. We'll, we'll have beans back in our, in the, in the back ten acres of our property, um, and then there are quite a bit of of hay that's also uh, raised and cut and baled. That that another farmer uh, does that for us, and so we have a lot of opportunities to interact not just with with our own selves, our own neighbors, but also in the neighbors that are around us. And so constantly we ask ourselves, how are we doing? Are we actually doing what the Lord is, uh, is intended for us to do? And, um, um, and I find that 
I don't think we're probably any different than you. Uh, you, in your own ways, each of us in our own ways, we try to walk that path that God has set before us. And occasionally we'll stop and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll ask ourselves, or more importantly, we'll ask God, how are we doing? How am I doing? And I, it's one of those checks that we are meant to make upon ourselves. We are called to be um, apart from the world. And yet, just like you, um, we live in a world, and yet we are trying to stay apart from that world. Um, we're, not, we're trying to be not part uh, not to be of of the world um, as we've been uh, admonished to be. You know, our scriptures uh, in various places remind us that that the Lord wants us out of the world, and yet He recognizes that we still, you know, we we um, we live in the world. We bank, you know, we 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 um, uh, all of our necessities of life is connected to a world that we live in. Our, our children go to schools that are kind of in, in a worldly situation. Um, and so he's, he cautions us ab- about that. Um, the reason because a worldly man, a wor- worldly po- uh, person walks in their own sinful way and according to his own righteousness. And that righteousness, you know, sometimes we see that self-righteousness, we see um, as, we, as we interact with others because um, they think that maybe, you know, they, they, they think someone ought to be doing something differently and they, and they use their own self-righteousness to make that judgment. And and that's not what we should be doing. It's God's righteousness is is the only righteousness that is good, and that is what we should be um, desiring in our lives is God's righteousness, and not to live with our own self righteousness. So, if we are to work on our own salvation, we need to, um, to remain close to God such that he can speak to us and that we are able to hear his voice because we are cleansed through the blood of Jesus and it is only through Jesus that we are able to overcome the sin that is in our lives and be able to to wear the robes of righteousness. One of the hymns that we probably use quite a bit, I, know, I would imagine you use it. Uh, we use it up in, in, uh, up in town. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to refer to, to uh, in independence, but um, uh, throughout the church, uh, hymn number 81, Come Ye Apart. And the, the words in that hymn, to me, are so meaningful for us. 
And the first line goes like this. Come ye apart, it is the Lord who calls us. And oh, what tenderness is in his tone. He bids us leave the busy world behind us and draw apart a while with him alone. And then the last line goes as such. And so he calls us into desert places where human voices may not drown his own, there to receive the fuller revelation he makes to those who wait with him alone. We've, we've sung this hymn many times. I've sung it many times through the years. And yet, uh, for some reason, just last week, these words had, they came to have a special meaning to me. On, um, on Saturday of last uh, of, of conference, the pre, um, patriarchs were presiding over the prayer service for conference. And, um, and so Saturday morning I woke and was going to get ready. As I was getting ready, the, uh, the words, um, and so he calls us into desert places. I woke from my night's rest with those words on my mind, and I kind of dismissed them. And yet, as I was getting ready, those words continued to just repeat themselves. And he calls us unto desert places. And um, so I, I, I knew that it was in a hymn. I couldn't remember it. And so I asked Linda as we were driving to church, I said, what, what is the number of that hymn? I know I know it. And both of us, I think, had a mental block. And so um, anyway, we were getting ready. The men were back in the back, and we were getting ready to go out. And so Linda pops open the door, and she says, 81. And uh, so I turned to 81, and there it was, exactly. And... Um, um, But they, these words have been inspired, and they are very appropriate for us today in the, in the lives that we leave, lead today. And I think they fit in with what the Lord has given us in our 169. But he, the, the author of this hymn, um, Midrest, mid restless crowds with all their noise and their tumult no rest or leisure for our spirits and how how true that is for us is we allow ourselves to get so occupied and so busy whether it's with everyday stuff or whether it's um, with with concerns that we have about about our family about um, about what is going on in, in, in the life that's around us, um, we get to where we are just exhausted. Our vision fails, our sense of life's proportion. Think about that, that, that eternal perspective that we are to have in life. You know, that, that what, is, what is life's purpose? Why are we here? What are we to be doing in that finite amount of years that, that, that God gives us 
Um, and we, when we know, we, we don't know how many years that is, and yet we know that they're numbered. And so, uh, and, and he has blessed us with those years. And what are we doing um, with that? And so our vision fails um, when we, um, when we uh, lose our rest and we get busy. Jesus himself knows, as he was once human, that we need the calm of sweet communion in order to gain strength as we walk that straight and narrow path of righteousness. He knows that we need to take a breather from today's stress. And so he calls us out of the world. He calls us out of those places that, that, that bring us noise in, in, our, in our minds into desert places where human voices may not drown out his own, where he can clearly talk to us and we can hear those things that he has to say so that we can receive the fuller revelation of his will and purposes as it relates to you, as it relates to me, because we are willing to listen to what he has to say. And again, it's very appropriate words for us to consider today in our lives. It's especially in this day. He wants to, um, he wants to spend time with us in true worship. He doesn't want us to be occupied and concerned about things that are beyond our our um, ability to do anything about, but he wants to spend it with us in total focus upon his will. He wants us to continue to look up, to rely and trust in him as we continue to desire his kingdom. I read as in my scripture reading out of the Book of Mormon, out of the 16th chapter of Alma. And Alma was, was visiting um, a group of what they called Zoramites. And Zoramites, if you read the Book of Mormon about them, they were a, um, a lineage of Zoram. And Zoram was the servant of Laban, and whose um, uh, Nephite, Nephi and his brothers went to, to try to get the brass plates from. And uh, of course they wound up killing Laban, and uh, Zoram then went and tagged along with Nephi and his brothers. And he eventually wound up, and he went into the wilderness with them, and um, he eventually wound up marrying one of Lehi's daughters. And so that lineage of that people, um, they became um, known as the Zoramites. And down in the time of, of, of um, Alma, um, we're told that they had become idol worshipers. Um, they would not uh, observe to keep the commandments of God and his statutes, 
um, according to the law of Moses, and neither would they observe the performances of the church to continue in prayer and supplication to God daily that they might not enter into temptation. See, they had been taught the ways of righteousness. They had been taught the law of Moses. Uh, they had the benefits of their ancestors, um, Nephi, who cautioned them about prayer, about how it benefits the soul, and that, that the good teaches, the good spirit teaches a man to pray. And yet they had fallen away. And so Alma, as we read in that chapter, Alma had formed, had gathered some of his brethren, some of which was his own sons, had gathered the brethren to go visit the Zoramites because they wanted to preach to them to repent and, um, and to bring those things that they were doing to them, doing uh, that weren't according to God in his ways. They wanted to bring those things to their attention so that they could repent. And so, um, so one of the men that Alma took was Amulek. And Amulek had these things to say, and I'm going to read through some of the verses of, of Alma 16. These, these particular verses are 228, 229, and 230. I'm going to read the, the things that Amulek had to say to the Zoramites. For behold, this life is a time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to, to perform their labors. And now, as I said unto you before, as ye have had so many witnesses, therefore I beseech of you that ye do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end. For after this day of life, which is given us to prepare for eternity, Behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. And they were reminded of that purpose, that calling in our lives. And they were called to repent because of their wrongdoings. And they were reminded of that finiteness, that, that limit that we have in our temporal bodies. And with the next verse, verse 231, it goes, Ye cannot say when ye are brought to that awful crisis that, oh, that I'll repent, that I will return to my God. Nay, ye cannot say this, for that same spirit which doth possess your bodies at the time that ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. And the warning then to the Zoramites were that if you haven't repented and made the best out of the life that has been given you, that he was warning that, there, that these people that their spirits would become subject to the devil and that he would have power, the devil would have power over them. 
Or in other words, Amulek was telling them that we should always have that eternal perspective upon our daily life and the daily decisions that we make. Think not just for today, but think of the eternal consequences. And isn't this admonition that we should all be taking? One of the um, words that that is used in this account, um, they talked about the performances of the church, how the, the Zoramites didn't observe the performances of the church. And I, I questioned kind of in my mind, what, what is performance as, as it relates to this scripture? And that word performance comes from the root perform, which means to act on um, so as to accomplish or to bring completion. And Amulek was speaking of our life as a time to prepare to meet God. And if you consider the revelations that has been given to the remnant church in R162 paragraph 9 it says even though through our faith we are saved by grace remember that it is through our holy works we demonstrate the depth of our faith and Steve we talked a little bit this morning in in our adult class about works and about faith and brother Larson referred to them as holy works that we are to uh, to have that demonstrates the depth of our faith. And when we talk about relying upon God and that our works, we want our works to be holy works, Nephi wrote that, Behold, I say unto you that ye must pray always and not faint, that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul and there certainly is that connection then between between um, our, our holy works our acting out our faith um, and and praying and supplication to God that those acts, those works that we desire to, uh, to move out in and to perform, that they are indeed holy works, that they are blessed by him. In my readings, and I can't remember who said this, but in my readings at home, as I read various things, someone made the comment, it's probably a restoration writer that made this comment, that this life is a time to learn how to love as Christ loves. So when we, you know, when we talk about probationary time in the Book of Mormon, and it's a time to prepare to meet God, it's that time in our life to prepare to perfect that love 
that we have, that charity, that pure love of Christ. The scriptures tell us that it will be well with us if we have charity. And that fruit of the Spirit, which is listed in Galatians chapter 5, lists love as one of those fruits of the Spirit. And it is a, um, it's a fruit, it, it's, it's, love is a fruit of the Spirit, and yet that charity is that which we need to perfect in our lives. Does it come, does it come natural to us to be charitable to one another in that pure, that pure love of Christ sense? I think it's something that we all need to practice. I know I need to practice that that love for one another as Christ loves us. And um, as I got to thinking about that, you know, anything that we do, we, um, um, we need to practice if we want to be proficient. Um, I, I would like to, to learn how to weld, to, to MIG weld in particular. And, um, and I can look on YouTube and I can, I can see all kinds of instances where they would show me, teach me how to you know, I need to do this, I need to do that, you know, and, and, and it all was laid out pretty good, and, and I can, and in my mind, I can, I can think about, yeah, I'll, I'll put these pieces of metal together, and I'll take the torch, and I'll, you know, lay all the weld down like I'm supposed to, and yet, is it really, do I really, am I, am I capable of doing that unless I actually practice that, and that's how it is with anything that we do any of our holy works is that we need to practice those holy works. We need to practice the charity that uh, we need to have, that God wants us to have, which is that pure love of Christ. The Lord reminds us that we must be um, obedient to those things which he has already given us and to read and to study so that those things remain fresh in our lives and in our minds. And yet that, that reading and that studying alone, we need to supplement that um, uh, as we move out in faith. And, um, and the Lord gives us direction as we approach him in prayer. Out of R169, I have asked you to read, and by so doing, you will develop that relationship with me, which will strengthen you. So, it says to study to know my ways and desires for mankind, and he says that the scriptures have been given for his guidance and counsel to us from the beginning and that we need to internalize them and to let them be our guide. And he talks to us about those relationships. He is calling us to perfect relationships with him. So we have uh, with him that relationship as well as we have that relationship with each other and he's calling us to perfect those relationships. And he says to have 
grace toward one another and just as we seek forgiveness in our lives we are also commanded to forgive those others those that may have uh, um, offended us he says the um, from R169 the only way to peace is through the ways of God the Father. The kingdom is his and will be governed by his ways, not the ways of man. And certainly that is one of those things that should be on our mind constantly is that have we committed ourselves to Christ? Have we surrendered our will to his will in our lives? Or are we still kind of, kind of clinging on to what this is what I want to do, and um, and I'll do, I'll do those things that I that I feel I can do for for God, and yet there's things that I want to do for myself too. He wants us to relinquish those things, that control over our lives, because He has control over our lives, and it is for our better. Uh, benefit and back to the the uh, Zoramites uh, Amulek con- continues to admonish the Zoramites uh, that if they uh, if they wait and don't repent then the spirit of the Lord uh, will withdraw from them and will have no place in them and when that happens, then that opens up that uh, opportunity for the adversary to come in and to have full control over you. In his admonition to the Zoramites, um, he uses the words, my beloved brethren. He refers to them as my beloved brethren. And so no matter what state they were in, whether they were willing to listen to what he had to say or not, he still uh, referred to them as beloved. And you can tell that he dearly loved them and he was concerned for their salvation. And so with that great love and concern for them, he reminded them in verse 238, that ye live in thanksgiving daily, for the many mercies and blessings which God doth bestow upon you, and that you be watchful unto prayer continually. And why? That ye may not be led away by the temptation of the devil, that ye may not, he may not have power over you, that you may not be subjects to him at the last day. In section, one, or section 59 of the Doctrine and Covenants to the early Restoration Church, we found these words that were given of the Lord. And in nothing doth, doth man offend God, for against none is his, in, is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandments, but learn that he who doeth the works of righteousness shall receive his reward, even peace in this world 
and eternal life in the world to come. He wants us to cry unto him in that sense that he wants us to confess his hand in our lives, in all that we do. We want, he wants us to obey his commandments. He wants us to strive to walk in righteousness and that whatever works that we do will be works of righteousness. And if so, he has a reward for us. So let's return to that thought that we should be watchful unto prayer continually. Again from the hymn, he bids us leave the busy world behind us. He is cautioning us that, the, uh, that in that busy world there are many voices that are calling us, that are pulling us from those things that we believe in. And from our 169, we find these words the Lord give a, has given us. There are many voices pulling your concepts away from my concepts. And these concepts, how are they defined? One definition is that they are uh, ideas or notions that occur in the mind, in the speech, or in thought. They are understood to be the fundamental building blocks of thought and beliefs. So when the Lord is cautioning us about there are others, other concepts that are being, that we are being unduly influenced by. We need to be careful of that because they dilute our own concepts of whose we are, of that which God has given us, the purpose of life, our calling. There are many that are out there that would have us to believe something different and he is cautioning us that we stay in tune to him that we will not be influenced by those that are around us and again I believe if we just look to the news that's around us to the changing morals in our society we see our Christian based principles are, are under attack and even being um, they try to cancel uh, us. They replace those morals that we believe in, those principles that we believe come from God. They replace them with those that are in direct conflict to God's righteousness. Those that we believe come from God, and as we know them, as being truth. Again, what the Lord's given us from R169, stand fast on the principles of my gospel, for they are true and designed to be a benefit to mankind.
I'm amazed by, if you go back to our, our revelations and how many times did the Lord warn us about this, the times that we would be living in. And he, um, he wanted us to be attuned to these times. And he wanted us to prepare. That's why he was telling us that those, that's why he was giving us those warnings was to make sure that we would prepare. We've had many years to do that. One of the ways we can keep in tune with his spirit is through our church attendance. When you think about the many voices that are coming forth, we, inside the walls of these sanctuaries, is where truth is preached, is where the Spirit of God is found. We need to make sure that that spirit of, of truth remains in our sanctuaries. From R-169, Satan is working diligently in these last days to distract mankind. You must be able to hear me now in order to continue to hear me in the midst of chaos. For I come in the midst of chaos, and it will be harder to, me, harder to hear me unless you have heard me now. And that, as I, as I first read this, um, as, as our order was gathered around the table and we were reading these words the first time, that really struck me. The words of the Lord here really struck me and um, how important it is for us. You know, we, we talk about being prepared, and yet he's being very definitive that if we think time's kind of getting rough now, we better know his voice. We better know how to hear him because it's only as, as it gets more chaotic, it will be even more difficult for us to hear his voice and to know him. In, in the Gospel of John, John uses these words um, about Jesus being the shepherd and that uh, the sheep hear his voice. It says that the sheep follow him, the shepherd, because they know his voice. And we, you know, we have read that many times. We, I think our kids, our children study that in, in, in their classes about Jesus being the shepherd. And yet John continues and he says these words, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they knew not the voice of strangers. Again, God wants us to know his voice. And if not only do we know his voice and recognize his voice, but that we will also recognize others for who they are. We will not be led astray.
from section 50, the Doctrine and Covenants. He that receiveth of God, let him account it of God, and let him rejoice that he is accounted of God worthy to receive. And by giving heed and doing these things which ye have received, and which ye, ye shall hereafter receive, and the kingdom, of, kingdom is given you of the Father, and the power to overcome all things which is not ordained of him. Again, he wants us to acknowledge him as the giver of all that is good in our lives, that we in ourselves are nothing, but that we receive our daily support, all that we are that is good comes from him. And again, in the, worms, in the words of Amulek, I'll reread this scripture as I read before. See that ye live in thanksgiving daily for the many mercies and blessings which God doth bestow upon you, and that ye be watchful unto prayer continually. These are words that are appropriate to all ages of man, and especially to those days that we live in today. I had some scriptures I wanted to close with, and they're taken from the Doctrine and Covenants. I thought how appropriate they were for us to consider this morning. From section 85, uh, paragraph 16, and again, verily I say unto you, my friends, I leave these sayings with you to ponder in your hearts with this commandment which I gave unto you, that ye shall call upon me while I am near. Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently, and ye shall find me. Ask, and ye shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Whatsoever thing you ask, the Father in my name, it shall be given unto you that is expedient for you. And then in paragraph 18, And if your eye be single to my glory, your whole bodies shall be filled with light, and there shall be no darkness in you. And that body which is filled with light comprehendeth all things, Therefore, sanctify yourselves, that your minds become single to, single to God. And the days will come that you shall see him, for he will, will unveil his face unto you, and it shall be in his own time, in his own way, and according to his own will. All promises that God has made to those that remain faithful to him. And then in section 97, paragraph 4. And now I give unto you a word concerning Zion. Zion shall be redeemed, shall be redeemed, although she is chastened for a little season. Therefore, let your hearts be comforted, for all things shall work together for good to them that walk uprightly and to the sanctification of the church. For I will raise up unto myself a pure people, 
that will serve me in righteousness and all that call on the name of the Lord and keep his commandments shall be saved. Even so, amen. President Larson wrote some words. In a, I found them in a... Uh, um, Hastening Times article a few years back. And he talked about the righteousness of God and the righteousness of, of the kingdom of God. And he said, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Son, came from the realms of glory to bring the essence of righteousness, the kingdom of heaven, to an earthly form, the kingdom of God on earth. He came, Jesus came from the realms of glory to bring the essence of righteousness which is found in, in the kingdom of heaven to make it an earthly, in an earthly form, the kingdom of God on earth. And so God waits for a righteous people to assist him in this work. For righteousness is a definite component, and it is also a requirement of the kingdom of God. And so our purpose, our calling, as saints of the Most High God, is to assist in the establishment of his kingdom on earth, even Zion. And we will work together. We will work together as we share our individual righteousness so that the attainment of God's kingdom will be here on earth, that his will will be done and his glory will be made manifest. And then finally from R169, I thought how, how uplifting these words are for us. As you, my people, continue to prepare for my coming, I ask you to take rest in the spirit that guides you. Trust in me as righteousness is brought forth among the children of men. Continue to look up. Continue to desire the kingdom and to do as I have commanded you in the days of the past and in the, in, in the days that you are in. And so a voice of warning that he gives us, but also a voice of hope, of hope, for the kingdom to come in the raising of a righteous people. And I pray for each of us that we will recognize that he calls us to that level of righteousness that's going to be required for the kingdom to be established and that we are willing to be obedient to him, to approach him as he desires us to approach him
in prayer and in supplication and to cry unto him for the needs that we have, for the needs of our family, our loved ones, for the needs of those that we know that are out there that know not God. So may, may God bless you in your efforts to be his children, to be his obedient and righteous people. Thank you, Dennis, for the tender way that he brought his message to us. Can you imagine living back in the times of the Old Testament and say you were a personal friend of Jeremiah or in the days of the Book of Mormon earlier writings, you would have, were a personal friend of Alma or Nephi. And then can you bring it up more to date? Can you imagine living in the 1800s and having a personal friend like Joseph and Hiram murdered and the hurt that you would have had for them? And I want you to look at today. There are those of us who have been able and fortunate, uh, such a privilege given that we've been able to be friends of today's prophets. I wondered, could anyone ever take the place of Prophet Larson? I gave him such a huge respect. And then uh, it is my testimony to you that Terry Patience is a prophet of God given to us and that we are fortunate enough to now to have been personal friends of two Latter-day prophets. Do you think the Lord is mindful of us in this day? Let's turn to him 547 and afterwards, Steve, will you come up here to dismiss us?
kind, loving Heavenly Father, as we come to the close of this service, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for this day and for the wonderful blessings of life. And we would ask, Father, that you would bless our brother and sister with a safe trip home. And we pray, Father, now that you'd bless this food that we're about to partake of, that it may be nourishing to our bodies that give us our strength. We need to serve you and those around us. And we'd ask a blessing upon the hands that have prepared it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.